This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Is the summer a good time to start planning for the future? when you really just want to plan for a swim in in a lake somewhere. But it's always a good time to start thinking about your future and your family's future. On Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll get some great advice from the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. The B.C. government is pushing for more of us to buy electric cars as they announced a new rebate program for electric vehicles to make them more affordable and accessible. A statement from the Ministry of Energy, Mines and Low Carbon Innovation says the maximum provincial rebate for battery electric, fuel cell electric, and long-range plug-in hybrid vehicles will climb from $3,000 to $4,000. The maximum rebate for lower-range plug-in hybrid electric vehicles increases to $2,000 from the previous high of $1,500. And this is just provincial. There are often federal rebates as well. This new BC rebate program is also clearly aimed at people with more modest incomes, and it actually means less money back for people in the higher income brackets. The ministry says eligibility for the rebate will be based on how much you make if it's up to $80,000 a year or a household making up to $125,000 a year, you're eligible for the maximum if you're below that. If you make more than that, it's a little different. As personal or household income climbs, rebate eligibility decreases on a sliding scale until those with a personal income above $100,000 or households with incomes above $165,000 are no longer entitled to the discount. The statement from the ministry says 2020 income tax returns show more than 90% of BC residents are eligible for an EV rebate and can save as much as $9,000 on the purchase or lease of a new electric vehicle when combined with the federal initiatives. The checks in the mail, according to ICBC, they say all of its rebate checks for drivers are now in the mail, meaning if you haven't gotten yours yet, you should soon. The Provincial Insurance Corporation says it's sending out the 2.8 million checks worth at least $110 to offset soaring gas prices. So $110. You can fill up your Ford Fiesta with that. Anyone with active auto insurance in February is eligible. And uh, it comes as ICBC continues racking up surpluses every quarter. In total, the insurer is sending out nearly $400 million in rebates. And during the darkest days of COVID, there were lots of people drinking on beaches and in parks. It seemed like people were turning a blind eye to that. But as things get back to normal, Vancouver cops are warning everybody that alcohol is not allowed on the beach and on the seawall, as well as most parks and sports fields. Drinking is permitted at 22 different parks as part of the Alcohol in Parks pilot program, which has now been extended until mid-October. The 22 parks include Vanier Park, the southwest corner of Stanley Park, Maple Grove Park, and a bunch of others. Great news for Germany's tourist industry, the annual Oktoberfest. We'll be back again this fall. The popular beer festival in Munich was on a two-year COVID hiatus, but this year it will be held without any pandemic restrictions. Oktoberfest has been cancelled before. 
Remember, the event is more than 200 years old, so Oktoberfest is canceled dozens of times. I mean, there was that small matter of two world wars to contend with. But this year, uh, revelers can enjoy some 487 breweries, restaurants, fish and meat grills, wine vendors, and much more. Coming up, it's a look at estate planning, and it's not just for really old people or just for the really rich. It's for everybody, and it could save you and your family a ton of money in the long run. We'll talk to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer Summertime Edition. And when you think about the summertime and the good weather, uh, you think about getting together with your family. Uh, you're, you're actually spending some quality time, whether it's at the cottage or in maybe just in the backyard, in the barbecue, or not in the barbecue, around the barbecue. But are the summer holidays the right time to start planning your estate I mean, in addition to having fun with your family, a family get-together is actually a pretty good time to address some of the key aspects of your estate that could really impact your family harmony in the future, not just the financial aspects, but how people get along in the future. And to talk about that with me uh, this afternoon, Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning joins us today to share some tips for planning your estate this summer. Hi, Paul. How is your summer going? I can't complain, Martin. It's going really well so far. Thank you. That's great. And uh, speaking of the summer, we should uh, mention that Macmillan Estate Planning, which you can go to macmillanestate.com to get more uh, information. You have some virtual seminars coming up. Uh, Wednesday, August 17th at 5.30 Pacific time, and then Wednesday, August 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. Go to macmillanestate.com. It's M-A-C, macmillanestate.com. And you can sign up. They're absolutely free, and they can provide you with a really, really nice introduction to what is estate planning. And and let's start there. I mean, what is an estate plan? Because I, I think most people have sort of a vague idea of what estate planning is, but describe what it is. Well, I suppose, Martin, the, the, the first thing to say there is that um, we, we come across a fairly common misconception that people think, okay, I have a will. And if I have a will, I have an estate plan. And that's, that's, that's not really it. Um, a will is it's, it's a really important component, but it isn't in itself an estate plan. Now, the, the, the reality is, is that your will, it just, it just makes clear how your estate should be distributed when you die. It doesn't give you any uh, tax planning, nor does it, 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 it offer up any protection for your estate as it transitions through the generations. Now, I suppose just to, to, to build on your question there, Martin, in terms of what, what we believe that an estate plan should be comprised of, well, there are really, I suppose, a number of components that, 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 that have to work together so that we can help you achieve your goals for your estate, both during your lifetime and after you, after you pass away. And we use a, a particular analogy when we're looking at your estate plan, and that is that we, 
we liken it to a strong room. Now, the idea is that, that much like, you know, wealthy families in the Middle Ages who would have had their own strong room inside their castle, maybe not in Canada, I'm afraid, but <laughs> they, they would store their family wealth in there. And, and we see that, you know, by implementing a structured estate plan, we provide the same result by protecting your, your family wealth. I mean, the only difference is that we're now more concerned about protecting it from things like relationship breakdown, Canada revenue, and other third parties, rather than, I suppose, historically, it would have been an army that might arrive on your driveway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but at, look, at the core of this, the planning is about what is important to you and your family. Now, every family has something they want to protect. It could be an asset. It could just be you know, a philosophy around things. And, and we term that as being your significance. And the actual right. planning is, is broken down just, just very briefly into four components. We've got the life planning, which really drives everything. And we mustn't forget, of course, that estate planning isn't just about what happens when you die. And then we have the legacy planning, the tax planning, and the legal planning, which are, are fairly, fairly self-explanatory. But it's, it's the idea that when you plan your estate, you're not just looking at having a simple will. It's looking at all of these components and how they tie in together, how we protect everything, um, which, uh, which, as I said at the, at the outset there, it's a bit of a misconception that an estate plan is quite a simple, straightforward thing. There's a, there's, there's a lot more to it. Right. So just to reiterate, an estate plan is not a will, and uh, and so people can kind of outgrow a will. If I guess it all depends on how much their their net worth is, and I guess people probably don't realize how much their net worth is a lot of the times, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with things like uh, real estate prices and so on. I mean, people tend to have a a vague idea, but if you live in the same home for a number of years and maybe you don't pay quite so much attention to it, you could be really shocked at how much it's worth. Or, you know, that that investment portfolio that you've been steadily contributing to, maybe that is worth far more than you thought it was. I mean, the general principle, as you said, Martin, is that a will is not an estate plan by itself. But we sort of take that view that once you've got a net worth of more than, and there's no hard and fast rule, but usually that million dollar mark, once you get above right. that, well, some would say that you've, you've outgrown that simple will planning. And there's usually a need just to consider the use of some, some more, I suppose, comprehensive, holistic planning instead. Right. We're talking to Paul Lindsay with Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com is the website. It's M-A-C, MacmillanEstate.com. You can sign up for those virtual seminars. There's one coming up on Wednesday, August 17th at 5.30 Pacific time and Wednesday, August 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. And uh, it's a good good way to get kind of a, an introduction to this. It's absolutely free. There's no obligation. So you can kind of learn a little bit about estate planning. And, and one of the things that always interests me Paul, whenever we talk about estate planning, it's really more than just figures on the page. It's more than just money, inheritance. It's all about kind of family harmony, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Keeping things, you know, copacetic between relatives. 
Exactly right, Martin. I, I probably couldn't have put it any better than that. The, the point is, as you say, family harmony is, is sometimes forgotten about during the traditional estate planning process. Again, people do become, as you say, fixated by the numbers and the good old fashioned, you know, paying as little tax as possible and things like that. But that concept of family harmony has to stay at the forefront. Now, it relates to the idea that as effective as your estate planning can be, we want to be certain that it isn't going to disrupt relationships within the family, either while you're still alive or indeed after you pass away. Now, With that in mind, we like to, and of course with the consent of the family that we're working with, get a sense of things including the expectations of the children because we want to avoid any nasty surprises further along the road that could ruin relationships, you know, and of course, whilst you're still alive, you retain that authority. So we take the view that it really is important to to understand those expectations now because the reality is, is that when parents usually try and broach this subject with the kids they will say just do what you want spend everything go to hawaii because i really don't care now i i'm going to say that is probably not reflective of their true feelings and we actually have a really really good case study that we 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 can share with you that 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 underlines the importance of 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 looking at the expectations of other people in the family just to as i say preserve that that family harmony so the story goes that we acted for a family that owned a successful business they had two kids they had a son and a daughter now when we met with them the daughter was very much involved in the business with the dad on a day-to-day basis. And all the while, the son had moved east for work and to, 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 to further his studies, I suppose. Now, during the planning process, we spoke with mum and dad, and they were very clear that, well, of course, you know, when they are no longer with us, the business would succeed to their daughter, given that she was involved with it, with it on a daily basis. And you know, we had some discussions with them about how we'd balance this with a similar provision in terms of value from the estate for the son. Mm-hmm. So as part of our process, we then took some time to chat with the children independently. So when we, and I suppose this shows the danger of uh, of assuming, when we spoke with the daughter, we just assumed that when we said, okay, look, do you have expectations for mum and dad's estate? We thought she'd say, well, yeah, absolutely. I want to inherit the family business. However, she was very clear that this couldn't be further from the truth. She (laughs) had no love for that business whatsoever, other than the fact that she got to go there every day, spend a bit of time with her dad. And in fact, all she really wanted from the estate was something that was, was, you know, had much more sentimental value to the family. It was actually a, uh, a poem that was written by her mum many years ago, and it, it had been framed, and it was, it was very much a, a focal point of, of mum and dad's house. So we had the conversation with the daughter, so obviously then we went to the son, and we asked him some similar questions. What would you like to think you might receive from the estate? Is there anything in particular? And he said, well... It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I expect to take over the family business. So, so despite the fact that he'd moved away from the family, actually his motive, motivation, unbeknown maybe to mum and dad, 
was that he obviously he wanted to further his studies. He wanted to broaden his contact database so he could bring all of those skills and those contacts back to the business that, that obviously bore his family name. So, first of all, you may be interested to know that the, the story has a really touching outcome in that the daughter is now in possession of, of mum's poem and the son has taken the reins at the family business. He's, he's increased revenue and his sister still comes to spend time now, obviously, with him and indeed with dad. But the point is, this story underlines the importance of looking at your estate planning from every angle, not least so as to preserve that family harmony and guard against what, of course, in our case study here, could have been a rather chaotic outcome had we not taken the time to, to understand the expectations of all concerned. Yeah, what a, I mean, what a great story. What a great example. Um, you know, you think it's all about money and it's really about this framed poem written by the mom. That's really nice. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So it, it and and it's an example of why you should uh, get the help of of an estate planner like Macmillan Estate Planning. Uh, we're talking to Paul Lindsay. Go to MacmillanEstate.com, uh, their website, and you can sign up for one of their virtual seminars. There's one coming up Wednesday, August seventeenth at 5.30 Pacific time, and then Wednesday, August 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. And these are virtual seminars, so you can do them from home. And, uh, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what you can expect in these seminars, uh, which you can register for at macmillanestate.com. You can also give them a phone call, one 266 6464 Macmillan Estate Planning. And when we come back, um, because we're talking about the summer, we're talking about people getting together with their families, uh, you know, especially uh, children who've moved away. Maybe they're spending some time at the cabin. Uh, we're going to talk about why it's important when you're all together to talk about this stuff. And I think we just heard a great example of why, but we're going to talk more with Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, we're talking about the future and estate planning and why the summer is, is a good time to, to really start thinking about planning your estate. Paul Lindsay is our guest from Macmillan Estate Planning. You can find them online at macmillanestate.com. You can phone them at 1-833-266-6464. And if you go to macmillanestate.com, you can sign up for one of their virtual seminars. They're absolutely free. Wednesday, August 17th at 5.30 Pacific time. And then Wednesday, August 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. A really good opportunity to just kind of get a uh, an introduction to to family planning and estate planning and uh, it is absolutely free. So Paul, let's let's get into this uh, concept of uh, estate planning during the summer months because a lot of people get together in the summer months. As families, you know, they, they slowly move away, you know, sons and daughters move to different cities, but um, they often come back to the cabin, for example. And uh, speaking of cabins and the whole cabin culture in Canada, 
uh, families want to make sure that the cabin remains in the family for you know generations to enjoy. But there are a lot of challenges to keeping this kind of cherished property in your bloodline. Let's talk a little bit about some of those strategies that Macmillan Estate Planning can help with. Yeah, and, and it's, as you say, Martin, it's particularly topical at this time of year. Now, obviously, the first thing maybe to point out is that when it comes to the family cabin, that is an asset that, for all intents and purposes, is is you know, no different to an investment portfolio or something like that. It's an asset that is owned by someone, usually in their, their personal name. Now, the risk there is that if you own, in our example, this cabin, there's always the risk that external forces could have an impact upon it. Now, for example, if you were to find yourself going through, say, divorce or other matrimonial proceedings, uh, if you have issues with creditors or you become involved in some litigation, well, the cabin is potentially then under threat within those, those proceedings. So what we're trying to do here as part of your, your estate planning is to almost remove the cabin from, from the equation if any of those nasty things were to ever to happen to you. Right. And the way that we do that is we, we sort of separate the ownership of the cabin from any particular individual. And the way that we do that is by or the, 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 the actual, the legal um, means that we use to do that is we use trusts. Right. Now, they can be really useful in this sort of scenario because a trust, without getting too technical, is, is a legal relationship that provides for ownership of an asset to be held by trustees, and then you have beneficiaries that can use or benefit from the assets that are owned by the trust, which can include a cabin. Now, even though at law those beneficiaries don't own it, it then follows on that if those beneficiaries, so it could be you, it could be your kids, if you don't own the asset, then of course it's of no relevance in any third-party proceedings. And these trusts, you can, you can create them in your lifetime, you can create them through your will, and they will allow you to keep the cabin in your family for most likely multiple generations. The only issues really I would raise at this point, if they, all of this sounds very appealing, well, there's two. There's, and the first one is that we can't transfer a cabin or any other assets for that matter to a trust if third-party proceedings are very much on the horizon. So you can't just, if you sort of see a divorce coming down the pipe, as clinical as that is, <laughs> right? We, we, we can't just then say, okay, let's transfer this, this cabin to a trust. Because, you know, what you can't do is essentially try and shut the gate after the horse is bolted. You, you just, you know, you can't do that. And the second one is we do just have to be a little bit mindful of the fact that when you do transfer a, an asset like a cabin to a, trust, um, um, to a trust, this is a deemed disposition for tax purposes. So, again, as I said, we've just got to be a little bit wary of that. Right. And, and just another example of how some planning early can, can alleviate a lot of problems later down the road, right? 
Exactly. I mean, it's as, as with 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 all estate planning, it's trying to be prudent now so that we we try and stave off any dispute or any claims or, you know, quite frankly, let's put ourselves in the best position that we can be and use the, the tools and the strategies that we have available to us now. Because I suppose you could also look at it that maybe certainly as it relates to things like uh, planning for tax, some of these things might not always be available. So if we take advantage of them now, well, we're, we're sort of grandfathered into that scheme, if you see what I mean. Right, right. We're talking to Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. And, you know, talking about cabins and cottages and things like that, I think uh, a lot of people might forget about uh, capital gains tax because they always think of their primary home and when that moves uh, you you don't have that kind of capital gains tax but capital gains on a on a cottage or a cabin can can be pretty hefty right yeah indeed that, that's quite right I mean it's there are some things that we can consider here um, to potentially, you know, defer some of the taxation, maybe based on on how old you are when you transfer the asset in, or of course it is possible to to take a bit of a view on what actually constitutes your your main residence. Is it the house you live in day to day, or is it the cabin? And we can, you know, have a look which might make more sense for you to designate as that that primary residence. For, for, for tax purposes as part of a, a, a wider planning exercise. Right. And uh, I've been talking about these uh, virtual seminars that Macmillan Estate Planning has uh, in offer Wednesday, August 17th at 5.30 Pacific time and Wednesday, August 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. And you can go to macmillanestate.com. That's macmillan, M-A-C, macmillanestate.com and sign up for these. They're absolutely free. And uh, I guess they're just a great introduction to this. And and I guess a lot of people have questions and uh, um Let's talk a little bit about what people can expect if they sign up for one of these virtual seminars. Yeah, exactly as you say, Martin. They're, they're designed to be uh, informative, uh, lighthearted even, um, <laughs> and just just to, to provide an overview of, of estate planning generally and some of the, 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 the common focus points that we find that the families that we work with like to, like to look at. Um, the, 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 the subject matter is not intended to be overly technical or, or, or put together in such a way that you, you leave with a bit of a headache. But we cover, <laughs> as I said, some of, some of the favorites, some of the big ones like tax planning, um, the legal side of things, you know, your, your, your wills, powers of attorney, you know, trust, things like that. Um, how we can succeed, maybe your business. Um, protection of your your financial and, and other assets generally, some charitable giving, and even obviously it's it's a lot more prevalent than uh, than, than perhaps it, it has been historically. But and this sort of ties in with some of the things we've been talking about, Martin. When people own assets in different sort of provinces, or even in particular, we we encounter a lot of families who maybe have. Um, you know, say real estate down in the U.S. So it's pretty wide ranging. Um, you can watch it at your at your leisure. And the idea is, is that if you see some some value or, or more importantly, just some some general interest in any of the topics that we cover, we will happily schedule 
a couple of complimentary consultations so that we can chat through things in a in a bit more detail and and, and it's supposed to then make the whole thing a lot more specific to the family that we're we're talking to right and if you want to register for one of those just go to mcmillanestate.com and it's wednesday august 17th 5 30 our time and wednesday august 31st at 5 30 pacific time and and i guess for you because talking to you you're you're a very uh sort of conversational person. And I guess a lot of this stuff can be very technical and a little bit intimidating. So I guess your challenge is to kind of put it into, into a language that, that doesn't intimidate and also that, that we, you know, civilians can understand, right? I, I'm, I, I think there's a compliment in there, Martin. I feel, felt <laughs> like you were saying I maybe speak too much. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's certainly always been my view, and, and it's the same. Uh, the, the business has the same sort of ethos. We're not trying to be overly technical. People don't like that. We need to, need to understand what is at the core of all of this for the, the family that we're, we're dealing with and, and, and help guide them through these, these options in a... Um, I suppose, a a plain English, to use the phrase, um, way. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean. Um, We're talking to Paul Lindsay. Whenever I talk to you, you you come across as just sort of a regular person. But at the same time, I think when people are are doing this kind of estate planning and you start talking about tax planning, legal planning, uh, you know, estate tax, all those things. We kind of want you to be the, the nerdlingers who know everything about it. And that's why you're valuable. That's the value you bring to it. So in, in the little time that we have left, I, I want to ask you, what is sort of the biggest misconception you have? Like during these uh, seminars, when you talk to people, um, w- like, I guess it's a two-part question. What uh, What's the biggest misconception people have about estate planning? And also, what's the most common question that they have? I, I, you know, I would, I would probably say that the misconception is people don't realize how successful they've been in life. And they, they sometimes, they, they really can't get their heads around the, the idea. And I, and I mean no disrespect there, that they have a right. genuine need to do some estate planning. I, I see so many people that are shaking their head saying, how on earth did my estate be worth a couple of million dollars? You know, we started out with nothing, and yet here we are with, with, this, with this wealth. Um, so... So again, I, I would, I suppose, I would encourage people to be to be confident that they have an estate that they have built that 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 obviously means something to them. And you know, when you reflect on the hard work you've had to put in to generate it, why not get some some, some you know some good quality advice so that that estate can be preserved for future generations, and of course, so that it can do what it needs to do for you during your lifetime. Um, and then Martin, forgive me, I can't quite remember your, your other question. I think it was, it was probably the question that, you know, that we, uh, we get asked most. Um, I don't know, it varies. I mean, a, a lot of people at the outset, before they understand what it is we, we really do, they're always primarily concerned, and this won't come as a surprise to you, well, how can we pay a little bit less tax? Um, yeah, I don't that... think that's controversial, but, you know, it's always, always there or thereabouts. That sounds like that sounds like a good question to start with. Uh, well, thank you, Paul. Always a pleasure. Uh, MacmillanEstate.com is the website. 
um, Wednesday, August 17th at 5.30 Pacific time. And then Wednesday, August 31st, 31st at 5.30 Pacific time. Those are the seminar dates. Always a pleasure. Thanks for talking to us. Likewise. Thank you, Martin. Paul Lindsay. And coming up, the story of how a seemingly mellow gathering of pot smokers turned into the famous 1971 Gastown Riot. That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and things have certainly changed in Vancouver when it comes to cannabis, also known as Mary Jane, the evil weed, jazz cigarettes, whatever you call it. You can now buy it pretty much everywhere in the Lower Mainland, but it was not always like that. For example, it was August 7th, tomorrow, back in 1971, when a group of mostly young people held what they originally called the Grasstown Smoke-In. More than 2,000 people gathered in Gastown to support the legalization of cannabis. Back then, only scientists called it cannabis, though. The politicians and police called it marijuana, and the smokers mainly called it grass or weed. And while back in 1971, this event was originally called the Grasstown Smoke, and it quickly became known as the Gastown Riot. And also one of the most notorious examples of police brutality in Vancouver history. It all started peacefully as people showed up. The organizers handed out creamsicles. There was a 10 foot long joint being paraded around, which was filled with straw that had been constructed by students from Langara College. Everything seemed fine until four Vancouver police officers on horseback without warning suddenly charged into the crowd, followed by dozens of other police. Uh, uh, They were wielding riot sticks and hitting whoever got in their way. Police would later say they were responding to rocks and bottles being thrown, but there were no witnesses who saw that. Columnist Alan Fotheringham would write in the Vancouver Sun a couple of days later, back in 1971, that what had happened was in fact a police riot. Both participants in the event and people who were just there to watch were beaten with reports of police attacking reporters and even one account of a woman being dragged by her hair across half a block of broken glass. By the time it was all over, 12 people were sent to hospital, uh, 79 people taken into custody and 38 charges were laid. Though, within three days, more than 100 sworn affidavits alleging police brutality would be presented to city council and public opinion about the police took a big hit, especially in the local media. And it was only after weeks of public pressure that they would hold a public inquiry, which placed all the blame for the riot on the organizers of the smoke-in. No charges would be laid against any of the police officers involved. Alan Fotheringham, a very respected columnist at the time, would write in the Vancouver Sun, the mayor kept predicting a riot. It never came. So the police supplied him with one. And that happened this weekend in Vancouver, 1971. And by the way, I found a lot of information about this story from a great book called This Day in Vancouver History by Jesse Donaldson, published by Anvil Press. Uh, It's a great coffee table book, really chronicles 
the history of Vancouver in an entertaining way. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, it's the consumer news headlines, including how kids aged six months to five years old can now get their COVID shots. But it looks like their parents are taking their time signing them up. That story when we come back. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.